gets the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! And the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. You know the number by now, 315-437-7644. We are brought to you in part by Dunn Tire. Just one guest lined up for you today comes in the second hour. We'll have Jeff Greer from the Louisville Courier-Journal set to join us at 120 as we look ahead to what has become a must-win game for the SU football team on the road at Louisville on Saturday, and then they're going to have to follow that up with another one uh, against Boston College in order to make a bowl game. I, I wasn't planning on talking any NFL, Seth, but we will have to talk some NFL Absolutely, uh, with Tyrod Taylor uh, unexpectedly being benched by the Buffalo Bills. Nate Peterman uh, will get the start on Sunday against the Chargers, so we'll certainly get into that uh, as the show moves along. If he can play every NFL game like he played that game against Syracuse, he'll be in good shape. And, and you be your Buffalo Bills will be in some really good shape. I'm surprised by the move. I, I'm very surprised by the move, but we will get into that uh, as the show moves along. We got to begin with SU basketball. Uh, game number two of the regular season last night inside the Dome. The Orange with a 71-62 win over Iona. And, and we said it going in. We said this is going to be a step up in competition. You know, Cornell won, what, eight games a year ago, and they are improved, and they had a lot of guys back, but it, it's still a low-level Division One team. This is a, a quality mid-major that has, has made it uh, a habit of going to the NCAA tournament, went to the, went to the tourney last year, lost to Oregon in the first round, won 22 games, had four of their, their eight rotational guys back, experience backcourt. Uh, and, and so this was going to be a step up in competition. I, I thought this was exactly what Syracuse needed. Absolutely. You know, they had those three warm-up games, the two exhibitions, the one against Cornell. This was a step up in competition. And, and while you know last Friday was, was the first real game for a lot of these newcomers. Last night was the the first close game for a lot of these newcomers. We got to see how this team would react, and surprise, surprise, they give the ball to Tyus Battle, and, and he just took over in that second half, uh, 23 points after halftime, uh, eight down the stretch during that little mini run that they put together to close out the game. Uh, I I thought it was a it was a quality win. It's not a name brand opponent, but but I thought that was exactly what this team needed, Seth. Oh, absolutely. They they needed to go and and play a better team. They needed that step up in competition. We knew what they would do uh, against a bad team or a, a mediocre team. You know, Iona is a good team, right? They they're a twenty win team. We said this yesterday too. This is not just hindsight. Oh, that that game was close, so we should probably talk a little bit more about Iona. No, like. They're a 20-something win team. They went to the tournament last year. They went to the tournament four of the last six years. Uh, you know, they had two upperclassmen guards. You know, so this was a good team uh, and a good stepping stone, right? It's not as good as what you'll see in the ACC. It's not as good probably about as what you'll see later in the non-conference schedule with Maryland, with Kansas, with St. Bonaventure all coming up. But it's a lot better than Cornell. It's better than Texas Southern on Saturday. It's better than Toledo next week. 
So it, it certainly was a step up and a, and a needed step up because we had to see how this team would react to being in a relatively close game. Forget uh, a 30-point win. Like, they, they only won by nine, and that game was close the whole way. But, like, it would have been nice to see them in a 15-point game the whole way. And we jumped from 30 to single digits for the majority of the game. Like, we took a big step forward in seeing what this team is. And I think that you learned a couple of things. You learn that O'Shea Brissett is still a freshman as far as the scoring punch goes, and I think he'll get there. I think he'll follow the trajectory that we saw last year from Tyus Battle and the year before from Malachi Richardson, and he'll spike in February, and he'll be really good. Um, you you saw that this team, when in doubt, is still going to go to Tyus Battle, and I, I don't think that should surprise anybody. And if that doesn't surprise us in November, that sure won't be surprising ACC coaches come January. You know, And, and so I'll be interested to see how Tyus makes that next adjustment but he is really good. He is really fast. He can put the ball on the floor, and he's quick dribbling the ball. Uh, you know, I was watching with Roosevelt Bowie back here, and the play he got fouled on, right? He, he goes down, he tries to go base, uh, get to the baseline and, and turn in towards the basket, and he gets fouled. And Roosevelt was impressed that after getting fouled, he was quick enough to turn the corner and still get a shot up, right? Like, it didn't count. There was no continuation. But he goes... Most guys get bumped and go out of bounds. He goes, this guy gets bumped and he's still strong enough and fast enough to quickly turn and get a layup up. And I thought that was uh, an interesting point. Not not one that you normally think of, but, you know, he's so fast, so strong, so quick that, you know, he's going to be a dangerous weapon, you know, no matter who they're playing. We were talking about before the season started, you know, kind of wondering aloud, how is he going to make that transition from from going to like the the fourth option on the floor to now being at the top of everyone's scouting report? And and I made the point and I said, you know, I, I think that he's better equipped to do it than Tyler Lydon was. Number one, just from a, a mental approach, you know, Tyler Lydon at times and, and really a lot of times seemed to to shy away from taking shots. The coaches had to encourage him uh, beyond encourage him uh, to to put up more shots. I don't think that's going to be a problem with Tyus, that he knows he's got the green light. And I think we saw last night how aggressive he can be. I also think... His game is more versatile. His offensive game is more versatile than Tyler Lydon. Tyler Lydon busted on the scene as a freshman because of his size. Again, because he was the fourth or fifth option. Not to take anything away from him. Great player. But again, he's he's a, a, a mismatch on that end of the floor. Right. Tyus Battle isn't necessarily a mismatch in terms of his size. He's a mismatch because of his game. You know, when Jerry McNamara talks about being able to score in all three levels all the time, and, and you see Tyus, he can spot up and hit the three. When the game was on the line, when Iona cut it to two with five and a half to play, what did he do? He came off a screen, he pulled up two times in a row, buried it. He can get all the way to the basket. You know, there was the one play, he went coast to coast, he spins, he, he draws the contact, he gets the basket and the foul. He took over, and, and I loved seeing, again, just his mentality of give me the ball and, and looking for his shot and not being afraid to put it up and and didn't have a great first half. He had five points at halftime, and then he just said, "We're we're not losing this game." And you you need a guy like that. You know, my former co-host here, Sal. He was big on you know who's going to be that guy that says you know no bleeping way we're going to lose this game. Give me the ball. And that right. was Tyus Battle last night. And you love to see it. I don't care that it was against Iona or if it's against Cornell or Texas Southern or Duke or Louisville. I love to see that, and we we saw that last night. Yeah, and you need to have that guy on your team, that guy with the killer instincts. And I think that there's also, um, I don't know what to call it, and I don't know the best NBA player to compare it to. And so I always revert back to J.R. Smith. 
Um, that guy who like doesn't care if his shot goes in, but he thinks the next one will. How about you know, Dion? <laughs> De- Dion to to an extent, yeah. You know, like, and, and I think that you know what you said about Tyus Battle. Okay, he had a he had a pretty rough first half. He only scores what five points, four points in that first half, and, and he struggled and he didn't look very good. But he comes out after the half and scores twenty plus points, and it was kind of that like quick change mentality. Okay, that last one didn't go in, but this one will, and the next one will, and the next one will, and all of a sudden I'll be at twenty points, and we're going to win this game. Can like, I change you your need analogy? That mentality. Can I change your analogy? Because I feel like J.R. Smith th- that brings on a connotation that he he really doesn't care. I'm not sure how much J.R. Smith cares if the team wins or loses. Um, can I liken it to Kobe? Sure. Kobe yes. would put up a lot of shots. And if Kobe, or I mean, even MJ for that matter. I mean, if MJ missed, he's not going to shy away from taking the next shot. Right. I don't want to call it false confidence, but it's almost like that, right? Okay. The, You're saying I'm, I'm a shooter. Ca- I know the next exactly. one's going to go in. Exactly. That, so, I, yeah, J.R. Smith kind of strikes me as, eh, whatever. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm still getting paid either way, and I'm still going to go out and have a good time after the game, and I don't care if we win or lose. Tyus Battle very much cares. He's one Absolutely. of the most competitive kids that that I've seen, uh, you know, play at this level. I I would liken him to Kobe. That you know, give me the ball. We're not losing this game. I'm going to find a way, or or MJ, or or someone that. Sure. You, you said killer instinct. That's what we saw last night out of Tyus Battle was the the killer instinct. And you know, again, I don't care who the opponent is. I don't care if it's a pickup game in practice or you know the the national title at the end of the year. You like to see that killer instinct. It, it carries over, whether it's at practice or against Cornell or Iona or in the ACC or in the NCAA tournament. You know, Malachi Richardson kind of had that to him, right? When they went he on did. that run, yes. the, the Virginia game comes to mind, and I know that was brought up on the broadcast last night, the Virginia game. He, sure. He has that ability, and I think we, we saw it last night. So I'm not I concerned think we saw it, at all. And again, I think we saw it a little bit to the— to the end of last year, we did. Right? We did. I mean, battling the flu, and he hits the game winner against Clemson, and then scores in double figures the last seven games, and in the last month of the season, averaging seventeen points. We did see him turn it on at the end of the year, but I, I'm not concerned at all. And I, it wasn't before the season started when we talked about, you know, is he going to be able to make the transition to being the go-to guy? And it isn't just because of what I saw last night. I wasn't concerned anyway, but last night just kind of reinforced for me, like you don't have to worry about him. Like he's going to no. find a way to get his shots. He's so good and can score in a variety of ways. He's go- he's going to find ways to get points and, and get buckets for this team, which they're going to need him to do. I- I'm not concerned at all about Tyus Battle, but that was that was fun to watch last night. It- it's fun anytime a guy just takes over a game and just to to marvel at what he can do. And this kid is so young and so talented. Uh, just, great performance out of Tyus Battle. I know it was quote unquote only 28 points, but it felt like one of those special kind of performances, didn't it? It felt like that second half was like. You're watching something that doesn't happen, that, that's kind of unique, that's special to an extent. Um, and again, I know the game total was only, air quotes, at 28 points. You know, whereas, you know, when, when uh, Mike Benege did it a couple years ago, he was up around 40. Uh, you know, when Andrew White did it last year, he was up around 40. Um, but that game and what he did in the second half and, and putting the team on his back and, uh, you know, saying, hey, we're not losing this game. Right, I I don't care how, but we're not gonna lose. I, I thought that showed you something, and you know shows you something for what he is going to be and this team is going to be moving forwards. Um, because we talked about it, you know, leading up to the season, right? We talked about it for the last two weeks. Ties battle and what? Right, ties battle and then what? Well, if ties battle goes out and scores thirty points, that and then what gets a little bit less important, right? Like. 
You don't need somebody else to score 18 if he's scoring 30. If he's scoring 20, you need another 18 or 20 points. But if he's going to score 28, 30 points, you know, Frank Howard can score his 15 and and O'Shea Brissett can score his 12, and all of a sudden you're in pretty solid position to go win that game. So I think that, you know, he showed the ability to do that. He showed the ability to put a team on his back and say, we're winning, come follow me, climb aboard, like, let's do this. The unsung hero last night, I mean, obviously Tyus gets the headlines, but the the unsung hero last night uh, was Marek Dolajai. And and the the quality minutes he provided, the, the energy... Uh, scored twenty or he played twenty two minutes. He, he scored uh, seven points. Had had four during that that stretch where Syracuse went from being in a two point game with five and a half left, and then outscored Iona fifteen eight the rest of the way. He had two big buckets and, and just hustle plays, getting on the backboards, getting an offensive four rebound, offensive to put back, rebounds. forcing turnovers. Um, he is uh, he's an energy guy. We said who would it be? We we talked about maybe Matthew Moyer, and I'm not giving up on Matthew Moyer. And and Coach Bayam said it after the game last night. He said you know he's still trying to figure out how he can find his points and how he can find his shots. Uh, he's been able to get on the back. Backboards, but he, he hasn't really scored to this point. Uh, Dolajai's kind of figured it out. He's figured out his role. He is the energy guy. He's the guy who gets on the floor and wins loose balls and, and, and forces turnovers and gets on the offensive glass and, and just is a nuisance for the opponent, for, for lack of a better term. No, that uh, is a good way of I, I thought he was uh, I thought he was the unsung hero last night. Yeah, I, I thought he played really well. And, uh, you know, he continues to impress me because I, I said it on the air and, and I'll keep saying it. I, I was concerned about how big he was, and I still am, right? I, I'm, I'm concerned, uh, you know, seeing him go up against Marvin Bagley, right? Like, how's that going to go? Uh, you know, we'll see. How is that going to well, go? It's not gonna, well, for not only it's not going to go for, well, but, for anybody, right? But, but you know, like how how is that kind of a matchup going to go? You know, when when you have somebody who's that small and and, and that size going up against a, a freak like Marvin Bagley, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, and, and but to the same credit, like. He goes and and brings high energy, and he goes and he crashes the glass, right? Like That's the thing that I'm impressed with. He goes and and he's a rebounder, and he's trying to do some of that dirty work. And, you know, he picked up four offensive rebounds in the game yesterday. Uh, That is difficult to do. You know, that's that's not something that is an easy thing to to go out and say, hey, I'm going to just get offensive rebounds. Um, So I thought that was really impressive. We know that when he comes into the game, the the press is probably coming, right? Because he's highly active. He's a high-energy guy. And, oh, by the way, he's long and lanky. Um, I think he brings a different dynamic. Uh, Matthew Moyer, I I was surprised. He took that 1-3 at the beginning of the game and and then didn't shoot the rest of the way. I mean, he shot, what, that that couldn't have been more than two minutes into the game. That was his only shot, yeah. And that was his only shot attempt of the game. Um, I don't know if somebody got in his ear and was like, don't do that again. Uh, or, or if it was something else, but he 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 seemed. Uh, I guess he would be a little hesitant, you know. After that, I thought it was telling uh, Seth the the lineup we saw during crunch time. I mean, we saw Dolajai on the floor when that game was in doubt with under five minutes to play, and and that was the lineup. It was Brissett, it was Dolajai, it was Battle, it was Howard, and you know we saw. I thought. You know, Pascal Chuku played arguably his best game. I, I think is that fair to say in, in a Syracuse uniform? Oh, I mean, yeah. five points, ten rebounds, floor. had three blocks. Um, you know, I, I thought he was good. 
So, yeah, I mean, to me, it was it was telling that we saw Dolajai in that crunch time lineup and not Matthew Moyer. And again, not giving up on Matthew Moyer. I don't think the coaches are giving up on Matthew Moyer. But uh, Dolajai brings something to the table. He had four offensive rebounds, as you said, uh, finished with six uh, total on the glass and, and seven points and one assist and one steal. And he runs the floor and he just creates havoc. And um, I'll be honest with you, I am I am pleasantly surprised by by what he's been able to bring to the table. And I thought last night, as I said, he was the unsung hero. I thought Frank Howard played a, a really solid game. He still has a turnover or two that makes you scratch your head and you say, I wish he hadn't done that. But, you know, again, as Jim Beheim pointed out afterwards, um, that's what you get with a, a guy who is still getting, a, you know, he's still getting adjusted and still getting accustomed to playing the point guard position. He's never been, you know, throughout high school and throughout college, he's never been a dedicated point guard. And so he's got to work through that process a little bit. But I, I thought he was very solid last night, especially in the first half. Yeah. You know, when Syracuse was struggling a little bit, he had 10 first half points and, and Tyus only had five. And, you know, he hit that deep three and then he got to the bucket right before the half. He uh, was, I think, the MVP of the first half anyway. And then Tyus certainly was the MVP of the second half for Syracuse. Oh, yeah, I, I think so for sure. And I think it'll be interesting to watch that position. Frank Howard played all 40 minutes last night. And, you know, one way or the other, I'm, I'm not saying good or bad, uh, but he played all 40 minutes last night. Um, I, I, you don't think he I don't, played well? No, no, no. I, I think he did. Oh, but okay. I, I mean, good or bad, he played all 40 minutes last night. And, you know, yeah, he had those five turnovers, but it didn't get him to the bench. And where I was going with that is Geno Thorpe only played eight minutes. And I, I don't mean this as a knock on Geno Thorpe, but I don't think he's looked very good early in the season. Now, with that being said, I don't know what Geno Thorpe is at 100%, because I haven't seen it yet. You know, maybe at some point he'll get healthy, and it'll click, and he'll have some game in mid to late December, and he'll go off for 20 points because he's hot and he's healthy finally. Uh, But I haven't seen it yet. So if Geno Thorpe is not that guy behind Frank Howard, and doesn't look like they want Howard Washington to be that guy quite yet, because he didn't play at all last night, you know, this is Frank Howard's team for better or for worse, good or bad. Like, he's got to play. Um, and I think that you kind of saw that last night. Yeah, he had a couple of head-scratching turnovers, turnovers you don't want. But, oh, by the way, he kept the offense afloat in the first half and scored 10 of the 30 points that, that your team scored. Right. You know, like so, so you take the good, you take the bad, he's going to be on the floor. Yeah, the, the one turnover that comes to mind is when you know he turned it over and then he, he compounds things by the foul on the, you right. know, it creates a three-point opportunity. And he didn't foul him hard enough. Yeah, to... and, and, and he, again, immediately he, he knows that, that that's not the right thing to do, and he'll work his way through that. Um, but I, I thought he was he was very good, and his shot has definitely improved. He was two for four from from three. I, I want to say he was, was he one for two from three in the first guy? He's, he's shooting essentially 50% from three-point right. range through two games. I realize it's a small sample size, but his shot looks a lot better. Uh, his decision-making, I think, to this point has, has seemed like it's gotten better. He's three for five from three, three on the for year, five. so he okay. went one for one the other night. Okay, fine. So 60%. So, again, I, I get it. Small sample size, but his shot definitely looks better. He's able to score the basketball, and, and I've I've been saying since the preseason they they obviously are going to need him, and they're going to need him to be good. We know Tyus Battle is going to be good this year. They're going to need Frank Howard to you know to to run the point and and to be solid. It's it's their team. It's Tyus's team and Frank Howard's team. And Absolutely. and last night those two guys uh, you know led Syracuse to victory against a a pretty good team uh, in a close game. I don't think it was an indictment on Howard Washington. I think it was a case of 
the lead never got to double digits until the very end. It was it was close the entire way, and and maybe they just don't feel like he's he's quite ready for for that situation. And Howard and Battle were both playing well, so I don't again I don't think it was an indictment on Howard Washington at all. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Just getting started on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Surf Pro, AmeriCue Credit Union, and William Matar are proud supporters of Syracuse football coverage on ESPN Syracuse. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Underway on ESPN Radio, 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to check in. We're going to talk some SU football, more specifically Louisville football, with Jeff Greer from the Louisville Courier-Journal coming up here in about 15 minutes from now. Must-win game for the Orange. We all know the situation. Syracuse needing to win out to qualify for the postseason. Jeff will fill us in on the Cardinals. It, it's It's been a down year for Louisville. They still have a chance to finish eight and four, and and probably a pretty good chance at that with wins over Syracuse and Kentucky, eight and four, and then go to a bowl game. So uh, down year, yes, maybe didn't live up to expectations, um, but uh, but still uh, a, a quality season um, in the ACC for the Louisville Cardinals. We'll we'll get to college football uh, in the next fifteen minutes or so. We kick off hour number two talking NFL, and and you heard Max uh, with his update. We touched on it at the top of the show. The Buffalo Bills making a, a head-scratching move today, Seth, uh, benching Tyrod Taylor and naming rookie Nate Peterman the starter for Sunday's game in San Diego. And I realize Tyrod has not played well the last couple of weeks. He is not the reason they went from 5-2 and two to 5-4. and four. The 81 no. combined points that the defense gave up is the reason why, why the Bills are now 5-4. and four. They're still very much in the playoff hunt. The season ended today. They are in the playoffs. A curious time for them to to make this move. I I don't quite understand it. And maybe Nate Peterman is the long term answer, and Tyrod's not. And and you know me, like I I'm not sold on Tyrod. But you play the guy who gives you the best chance to win, and that's a hard sell to me as a Bills fan, Seth, to to say that the rookie who has not started a game yet gives you the best chance to win on the road in the middle of a playoff race. Look, if you told me Nate Peterman would be starting by week 11 preseason, I wouldn't have been surprised. You would have figured right? the, like, that the Bills were 3-7. and seven. Exactly. I would have thought that the Bills were 3-7 and seven and, and they weren't very good and you know, Tyrod's not going to be here and he's not Sean McDermott's guy and he doesn't, you know, and, and McDermott wants to get his own man behind center and I would totally understand it. Uh, given that they're 5-4, and four, given that they're still in a playoff uh Position and oh by the way 
You go to the Chargers, who have Joey Bosa and a pretty good pass rush breathing down your neck. You go to Kansas City, and then you have the Patriots at home the next three weeks. I'm confused by the timing of it and doing it. Let them lose those next three games. You come home and, and you're playing the Colts on December 10th, and you can give Nate Peterman the month of Jan- December, right? You can give him those four weeks and say, hey, get the Colts, the Dolphins, at the Pats, at the Dolphins. Like, have fun. Have at it. Let's see what you can do. Um, I'm not surprised that this happened at some point. I'm surprised it happened now. Um, you know, sure, Tyrod Taylor had an awful game on on Sunday. Uh, he threw for 56 yards. Uh, that's not going to get the job done. You know, he's only averaged 186 passing yards over the last three weeks. So it's not like he's playing really well right now. Um, I, but I am surprised by the timing of it. He threw to Calvin Benjamin three times on the opening yep. drive, completed one of those passes, and then did not target him the rest of the game. I don't That's know if not that good. I don't know if that played into it. I don't know if that was the last straw. Um, then Nate Peterman goes in for that one drive, and he completed two passes to Benjamin uh, on that final drive. And it's funny. I, I was watching the the Saints game with my father uh, and my son on Sunday, and as soon as Peterman came on. It was garbage time at the end of that game, and he completes the first pass, and they're in the hurry-up offense, and the Saints are playing prevent. and I said to them, I said, watch this. He's going to lead them down the field. They're going to score a touchdown, and then everybody's going to be saying, bench Tyrod. Now, when I said it, never did I think that the Bills would actually say, okay, yes, let's bench Tyrod. But but that's what happens. I mean, he looks great, right? He, he marches them right down the field. Six plays, 75 yards. They score a touchdown. Against, I mean, the game was over, and so it's more than that. So it's it's not just that no. drive, but obviously he looked good on that drive. The Saints helped him look good on that drive, and now they change quarterbacks. And this is a this is a gamble. Now, this to me, this signifies obviously the end of Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. Oh, They'll absolutely. cut ties with him after the season, and so that has been a question. So in a way, it's good. I mean, we said before the season started, we had Mike Catalan on, our, our good friend from Wham and Rochester, and we said, what do you think is going to happen? And he said, well, you know, Sean McDermott needs to decide one way or the other. He's either the quarterback of this team or, or he's, he's not. not. So I think in a way, like that's the only positive I take from this is that you finally made a decision, whether it's right or wrong, and I'm kind of on the fence about Tyrod some weeks, I like him some weeks I don't and you know when they win it's like okay well he did enough and when they lose you say well he, you know he can't really win you a game and you know we've had that debate and that argument uh, in this this very studio uh, on and off so you know I'm not sold on Tyrod that's the one positive I take away from this is that they finally made a decision I think the timing is very curious yeah I, I think the timing is very curious I said that before you've got three tough ish games coming up. Uh, you know, the Chargers, eh, but they've got a good pass rush. Uh, you know, and, and to your point, you know, you came in after the Raider game and you were like, hey, I was there. They won. It was great. I was like, yeah, but Tyrod didn't do, didn't, didn't play very well. And, and I don't know how they won with it. You're like, yeah, but he did enough. He did and, enough. And, yeah, he and did. That's, that's to your point. Like, if they had won on Sunday with him throwing for 56 yards, you're like, hey, he did enough. And LaShawn McCoy ran for 100, and 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 Tyrod... Well, I don't know Tyrod, if I would have said that no, after no, no, 56 but, yards, but, but yeah. No, but my point being, Tyrod probably would have run for 120 yards, and LaShawn McCoy probably would have run for 150 or, or 200 yards, and you would have been like, all right, we did it. We won the game. Who cares? And, like, you're not making this change now, and, and it's that weird dynamic with Tyrod Taylor of, like, is he good? Is he not good? Is he good enough? 
I don't know. You fall behind by four points, and you've got a ten percent chance of winning. Like it, it's it's one of those things where you just you don't know if you're gonna win a game. You know, you don't know if he can go win you. He the can't. Game. I and, think that was my whole point last week. He right. can't win you a game, right? And, and that's what I'm saying. And you mentioned Matthew Stafford as the guy. who, Hey, yeah, he might throw picks, but you know what? He'll go down gunning and and he'll throw a deep ball and he'll win you a game. And and I couldn't agree more. You know, you need a quarterback who who's got to have that instinct and who's got to have that gut, that that killer instinct, like we talked about with Tyus Battle, who. You feel decent with the ball in his hands, and for a while I felt that way with Eli Manning, right? Because we saw it in the playoffs. We saw it in the Super Bowls. Like, all right, you get the ball back with four minutes left, you're going to go score a touchdown. You're going to win this game. And and I, you would never feel that way with Tyrod Taylor. I'm curious to see how Nate Peterman does. I tend to think he's going to be a pretty good NFL quarterback. I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to be a starter in the league. Um, but this is a rough way to start him right, off. And that's fine, but... To do it in the middle of a playoff race, yeah. And no, listen, if he goes out, way. if he goes out and beats the Chargers, then you know maybe my tune changes next week. I just this is quite a gamble. I mean, this is this is a risk. You're right in the thick of a race. You're five and four. Again, if the season ended today, you're in because it's a watered down AFC. I mean, there are a few good teams in the AFC, but you know by and large, a lot of mediocre teams in the AFC. And if he goes out and wins a game, maybe I'll feel better about. Well, I'll certainly feel better about this. I just there's an adjustment period. There's a learning curve for any rookie quarterback, even the really good ones. And I think putting him in, inserting him in game ten when you need to win this game, especially knowing what's right. coming next. Well, that's my question. It's quite is, a gamble. You've got three games here, and what's the expectation? Right, you were going to lose to the Chiefs. You were going to the ex. I don't want to say the expectation is to lose to the Chiefs and Patriots. It is but like in all likelihood <laughs> you're going to lose to the Chiefs and Patriots. It's so, okay. You can say so, it. So the question becomes: If Nate Peterman goes one and two and beats the Chargers, like, are you okay with that? If, if they lose all three, are are we all of a sudden going to come out and 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 in on Jan, on December fourth when we're back here doing a, a show or you know what? Uh, yeah. December 4th, when we're back here doing a show, we're like, ah, put Tyrod back in. They got to make the playoffs. They're still there because they're 5 and 7, and the AFC is terrible, and they're still within striking distance. Like, just put Tyrod back in. Like, are we going to do that? Eh, they're 5 and 7. They stink. They're not going to make the playoffs. Just let Nate Peterman ride this thing out. Because I think they very easily could have made the change after that Patriot game and just been like, you know what? Tyrod will, oh, he'll, he'll handle the reins. He'll go one and two in these next two games. We'll be at 500. We'll kind of sort of still be in the playoff race, kind of sort of be out, and it'll be time to figure out what our rookies got. Seth, it's been 18 years. If they are five and seven, and if they're on that graphic on CBS that says in the, in hunt. the hunt, if the Bills logo is under the in the hunt column in December, and, and Nate Peterman has been awful, then yes, as a Bills fan, I'm calling for it. Put Tyrod back in. Let's try to make the playoffs. So if, if Tyrod went one and two over the next two games, uh, over the next three games, and they were sitting at six and six, and they had like the faintest of outside hopes to to make the playoffs. Like if they had to win out, you wouldn't have been like, you know what? We should probably figure out what this other guy could do so that we can cut Tyrod in the offseason. I wouldn't be ready yet. If they were in, the, and maybe that's part of my problem. As long if, as they're on they're, the graphic, if they're on the graphic in the hunt, I'm sticking with the guy. All right, understandable. We'll, I think we'll it makes, see what happens. Look, I think ultimately it makes sense. I question the timing as you did oh, because makes, of these it, three it, games. It makes sense. Like, make it, you need to make a decision. They right. made a decision. Amen. They made a decision. Right. So but, now, so now, let's see if Tyrod Taylor is the guy, or if you're going to be spending some of that draft capital. That, or sorry, if Nate Peterman's the guy, or if you're going to be spending some of that draft capital that you've built up over the last year and and moving up to get the guy. Right. Let, let me say this. 
if they are making this change now just because they made the decision on Tyrod and they want to get Nate Peterman some reps and, and some experience this season for next season, like I get that that might be the smart thing to do for the coaches and the GM and for the franchise, but that is a very tough sell to the fans. Like if that is the reason, if they just decided we can't win long term with Tyrod, let's make this move now, get him experience. I hate that. If they truly believe that Nate Peterman gives them the best chance to win, then I'm willing to, to see what happens you know, this week and give him a couple weeks and, and see what happens. But I find that hard to believe that he gives you the best chance to win and that you know that for certain. 315-437-7644. Got to take a timeout. We'll talk SU Louisville on the other side. Keep it here.